The sponsor for the month is Free Grace Press. Free Grace Press is firmly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical truths of His Word. The inspiration of Scripture, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the doctrines of grace, and the importance of the local church as expressed by the historical reform confessions such as such as the 1689 London Baptist Confession. To this end, Free Grace Press seeks to publish a wide assortment of Christian literature from both historical and contemporary authors who uphold these core commitments. Our heart is to make available books and tracts we believe will be spiritually inspirational, doctrally educational, and practically helpful for the universal church of God. The mission of Free Grace Press is to glorify God by assisting others in obtaining a deeper knowledge and greater enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Visit our website at freegracepress.com and use the coupon code The Shepherd's Crook for 10% off your next purchase. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to have a return guest. It's a guy that I really have learned a ton, ton from the last couple of years and just thankful to have him back on with me. I'm talking to Michael Foster today. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Good. Let's pray. Father, we need direction, as always, in this conversation. We want it to be helpful to people. We don't want to waste people's time. And we want to honor you with the words that, that come out of our mouth. And God, I thank you for all that's happening in, in Michael's life. I thank you for what you're doing. And just from afar, it seems like a lot of things are going on. And so I thank you for for all that you're doing, lead this discussion. I trust you will in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, dude, it's, uh, seems like tons going on. Looks like you've been at the 21 convention, just living the CRC council. And so would love to hear just an update on your travels. And uh, I want to hear about the 21 convention. You had an interesting post the other day. You said something about you preached grace and repentance and then a room full of guys stood up and cheered or something like that. And that's fascinating. So I'm interested to hear boots on the ground, what's going on in, in the Manosphere world? Sure. So uh, when I started researching for the book that we just, that's getting published at the end of November by Canon, it's good to be a man. Uh, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be a book. It was really just a project that turned into a book. But I dived deep into the content that is now referred to as the Manosphere, which is masculinity content that is aware of feminism and written in such a way to confront it. So it's not just like pro-man, but uh, also anti-feminism, anti, uh, it's just aware of the, the particular mis- misandry aimed at men. Uh, that's, I think, how they make the distinction, whatever, whatever that's worth. So I got into that world and I started listening to their podcasts and uh, reading their blogs and their books and all that. And in, in the process, I actually came across a lot of content by uh, 21 Studios. They have a podcast called the Red Men Group. And, and I watched and it was uh, it was mixed, man. Some of it was like weightlifters and, and some of it also was uh, pickup artists and all that. So I, I've been aware of 21 Convention for a long, long time. And then through uh, my friendship uh, with George Bruno and some other folks, I ended up getting invited to speak uh, last year. So I came, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I'd done a podcast with Anthony Johnson, who's the president of the uh, 
<laughs> he says he's the president of the manosphere, but he's he's the guy that runs 21 Studios. And, you know, he, he seemed to encourage me to say whatever I wanted. I think Anthony respects people that are all in on whatever they are. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or Muslim. He just wants to, he wants it not to be hypocritical. Right. So I came down there and last year I said whatever I wanted and it went really well. And then I got invited back. And this year, what they do, they run three conferences all at once. Okay. 21, which is their main one. Then 22, which is just for women. And their lineup for women was pretty incredible. That's uh, Susan Venker, or I don't know how you say her last name, but she's, she produces really good stuff. Um, so uh, I, was, I spoke at that, I spoke at 21, and then there's 21 Patriarch, which is for fathers or men who desire to be fathers. And I actually ran that one and emceed it for them this year. So okay, I introduced cool. all the speakers. I had a, I had a, a opener, a closer, and a main, the main keynote that was like 90 minutes long. And, uh, and so I did that <clears throat> this year. And a couple a couple things. One is that the pickup artist stuff is almost done for at 21. Okay. It seems like that was a stage um, and people are not really interested non-Christians aren't really interested in just having sex with as many women as they can. Uh, that That's kind of an empty goal that I think a lot of them seeing that they want more than that. I think once they, once these guys realize like, no, women do want male intimacy, women and non-Christian women will have sex with non-Christian men out, frankly, Christian women will out marriage. And that ends up being a very empty goal because it goes against God's design and purpose for men. Right. So once guys realize that they want more, they want to, do something with their life. And that's pushing them towards uh, building more traditional masculinity, femininity, more traditional roles, uh, not necessarily Christian, but just things that once made sense to everybody mm-hmm. until recently. Uh, right. So it was a very mature conference. It was pretty incredible. Uh, the, and what I would say is that materialism is gurgling. It's just about dead that naturalistic uh materialism is is dying in america america's becoming spiritual again Mm. for better for worse right right it's not that it wasn't spiritual to begin with but everyone's recognizing it now so i had conversations with people who are not christians who were saying things like i know there's a real devil i know that there's demonized people i know there's a spiritual war going on these are Mm -hmm. non-christians everyone was very you know even jack donovan who's a non-christian said he hates the word spiritual because it's so, um, you know, it's not definite, okay. um, which is nice to hear someone like that say, say they're looking for something more objective and clear or whatever. But mainly is everyone's aware, aware that we live in a enchanted world, right? Mm-hmm. A religious reality. And so, yeah, it's an opportunity for Christians to step up. I did a chapel service. I did one last year and like 10 people came. This year, like 35 people came. Awesome. And a guy, a guy afterwards approached me and said he he wanted to take Christianity serious. He hadn't gone to church. I don't know if, what his history was. Okay. But he wanted to start church. And I re- I actually knew a CREC church up in his area up in the in Alaska. And I said, okay. I actually met his pastor this week here at the CREC Council. So I think my takeaway, what I tell everybody is there's a way to be bold and friendly. You know, I uh, have no problem with confronting people. I have no problem with standing for the exclusivity of, of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's not among lots of ways. Um, 
I saw people criticizing me for going to the conference and I don't apologize and I don't really care what they have to say. And I'm not going to defend myself with all that stuff. If so, if I can go somewhere and preach the gospel and say whatever I want, I'm going to go there if I want to. Yeah. And I did. And that's exactly what I did. I, I never, never dialed back the gospel, not one bit. And, uh, but you can love people or treat them with basic dignity. And I think our problem is we don't, we can't manage that tension that exists with people that we disagree with. Mm-hmm. Even a major thing. It's like on the air of and all that. Uh, so I think if you're friendly to, to be friendly and speak the truth, you yeah. let the chips fall, they may. That's the cool. Preach world. Yeah. yeah, it's neat because, you know, the last year and a half, what we're seeing with you is counter to what a lot of big even a lot of pastors and and people who've been arguing for, you know, embracing and, and keeping on to cultural capital and influence and obedience just in basic gathering of the assembly, gathering of the church has been sacrificed for so-called public witness. And what we've seen is that people who capitulate, people who don't have a backbone just to say what God has to say without apologizing, it's interesting, they keep losing cultural capital. And then a guy like yourself, and I think people are seeing this around the world, uh, where churches that are saying, we're going to obey, we, we really don't care. Uh, we want to, it's not that we don't care about people. We love people. And that's why we want to obey, obey the Lord. But loving people doesn't require sacri- you know, disobedience to God. And yeah. then here's what you have. I mean, you have a gaining cultural capital with people that are interested and you have a gaining influence outside of the church. And this is exactly what people like TGC want and they're losing. <laughs> and here it is. It's coming by way of you know, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, and I'm going to call you to repentance and really let the chips fall where they may. And it's like guys are leaning in, which is fascinating. Yep. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, next year, you expecting to go back? Is that the that the plan? Yeah, I mean, so my rule is pretty simple is I, uh, I only do conferences these days for my denomination and maybe one outside of it. And I just, I hate being on the road. I've been away from my family for two weeks. Um, right. After I'm, I'm home for a week and then I'm gone for two weeks again. And then I, I've got a little bit of a break to January. But, you know, I, I only say yes to things if it's like a unique opportunity. I can't stand. I don't, who wants to be a professional conference speaker? I mean, it's lame. <laughs> uh, you know, me, I see guys like it. 20 just, years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, you know, you meet people and they're like fans and, and you don't want fans, right? Yeah. You, want, you want brothers, you want fathers, you want peers, you want Christians that can build you up and don't think you're amazing and everything. You know, I try. So I'll go back there. If, if Anthony invites me back, I, I would think he probably will. Um, but yeah, I'll keep taking that opportunity as long as it makes sense. Our church is growing and, and my, my family and church is the first priority. I have a right. book to promote right now. So, you know, yeah. Well, we'll get to that here. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Tell us about the church, how things going. Uh, I keep keep hearing when I see little updates, it seems like things are going pretty good. Yeah. So we started depend we started our informational meetings at the beginning of October of last year. So it's kind of like core group gathering, but like three or four meetings in, we're like, okay, I'll do this. Um, so we took a break for Thanksgiving and then we had our first service on December 6, 2020. Okay. Um, so tomorrow, today's Friday. Yeah. Tomorrow, um, we're going to have a reformation party slash birthday bash. 
And we've decided we'll just split the difference between the informational parties and the first church service and call October 31st, our church birthday. So we've That's been cool. together for about a year. Uh, we'll take members officially on December 5th and install three elders. Okay. A couple of people that are um, deacon candidates for sometime next year. Uh, attendance uh, is somewhere between 175 and 215, 210 on some Sundays. Uh, so I, th I think we're starting to get pretty close to averaging out about 200 people. Uh, so we went from zero to 200 in less than a year. Wow. And uh, the people aren't ultra reformed. Many of them aren't reformed. I'm a Presbyterian, uh, but many of them are Baptists. So it's like 80% Baptist, probably 50%. Oh, wow. Um, many of them probably thought the gospel or the gospel coalition was either the gold standard or, or pretty edgy stuff just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bunch of, it's good to be a man fanboys. It's not a bunch of people that even really know who Doug Wilson or the CRC is. It's uh, people that want a church that teaches the Bible uh, boldly, clearly, consistently, verse by verse, people that want Christian fellowship that stands against the evils of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that's what's happened. It's, it's, been, awesome. it's been awesome. They're humble, godly, friendly people. And uh, I would choose my church over any other church every day of the week. Can't mm -hmm. wait to be. With them. That's cool, man. I feel the, the same way about our church. We got a pretty incredible church family and some neat things going on. We actually have a CREC church in our town. We're allies with and, you know, I keep kind of look in to the denomination and here we are, we're still an SBC church. We're the final, like we're clinging on and uh, not even really all that willingly waiting to see where all the billions of dollars of assets go and who's that's going to go to. And it's pretty, the writing's pretty much on the wall, but it seems like the CREC is maybe the only faithful denomination I can, that I could tell, not that there aren't faithful churches in individual, you know, in de denominations, but it seems like the CREC as a whole is just gaining speed and God is, you know, doing a really neat work there. Is that kind of the feel that you get from being in as well? Yeah, I think um, we're kind of having a cultural moment in a lot of ways. Um, and there's a change into the guard uh, in just about everything, politics, ecclesiastically speaking, uh, in terms like take a guy like Tom McDonald. He's a rapper, not a Christian. Yeah. He's great, yeah. man. I love yeah. Tom. I listen to Brian Sauvey and Tom McDonald. That's like all the music I listen to. <laughs> so Tom McDonald doesn't have a normal label or promotion or anything that doesn't matter. Right. He gets millions of hits on YouTube. He does what he wants. He says what he wants. Uh, all the old legacy printing, legacy publishing, legacy denominations, uh, because they they slept, they were asleep at the wheel and they thought they could hang on, they didn't pivot and change. They didn't deal, they didn't practice church discipline. There's a lot of things they all, but for these cumulative reasons, they now are getting left in the dust. And, mm -hmm. and there is a, we're, you know, I think probably in our pride, every generation thinks they're special or whatever, but we are in a significant time in history. If you're a student of history, things are pretty radically different from other mm -hmm. times. Yeah, uh, technologically, you'd see the internet just coming to full growth, uh, personal devices, um, the internet of things, AI, all this sort of stuff. And then with kind of where globalism at and how it's affecting trade, 
and uh, borders and all that. These things are all kind of like culminating and creating a very crazy time, you know, and people mm-hmm. are willing to rethink things. Like I said at the beginning of this interview, is that things like materialism, which have really had a hold on Western culture for at least 100 years, mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, increasingly, you go back to the Scopes trial or something, where it was like officially mainstream at that point. But it's, it's, it's on the, not only is Big Eva dying, uh, because of things like the pandemic, uh, science, the monolith of science, science says, like as if science is a person, mm-hmm. that it, we're, the pagans are running into the ground for us. Yeah, for real. You know, and, and then there's these older, uh, there's non-Christians that are looking back to the Greeks, looking back to older traditions, and they don't, they don't align with modern liberalism and the modern left at all. Mm-hmm. So we're experiencing a massive change. And then there's people who, like me, I don't fit, I'm not your standard CRC church at all, but their guns are pointing the right way, that we all care about the substance of the gospel, the substance of good biblical polity, the substance of fellowship, and on some of the forms that they take, we're willing to live in tension, not be laissez-faire. Right. Right. It's not that those things don't matter. It, they do, but we can argue about it while we fight the enemy in between, you know, the volleys of bullets mm-hmm. and, and we can work it out down the road. And so there's, you know, there's a spectrum. There are reformed Baptists in this area, you see, and there are like kind of high church reformed Anglicans, really. And then there's guys a little closer to traditional Presbyterian PCA. There's a lot of guys like that, mm-hmm. um, like old school PCA, 1973. But so, yeah, I think it's good. There's a lot of people coming in. I think what I'm experiencing at my church is what the CRC is going to experience as the denomination, which is a rush of people looking for sanctuary uh, for biblical Christianity. Yeah, that's good. It's been neat to see allies across denominational lines, even. And as your church is gathering with a lot of Baptists and Presbyterians or whatever, um, you know, I've got some Christian church brothers that are near us that have been my buddy Joey is a great brother, a great friend, and God is doing a real work in, in his life personally. But it's neat because you see these people that are caring about some of the exact same things and wanting to obey the Lord. And uh, I think the churches that are going to just simply honor the Lord and obey his word, they're going to get, I think, a flock of people from all over the place in, in the region, in the area, in the city that are just going to come. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Let's, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about good, it's good to be the man. Let's uh, promote the book a little bit. Why do you write it? What are you hoping for with it? And uh, I know Nan wrote it with you, but uh, but tell us about it. Most of the guys listening in already know a little bit, know about your work. But uh, why'd you write it? And what are you hoping for? Sure. I started It's Good to Be a Man as a project to help mostly young men, 20s, I was thinking, uh, navigate a, a changing uh, sexual marketplace, relational marketplace, a changing world as it relates to sexuality. I thought what I saw in a lot of complementarian literature, not all bad, uh, but what I saw in it was disconnected from the reality. Complementarianism really is a boomer doctrine and was uh, meant for, to meet their particular challenges at their time. And it, and it, in so much that it does that, it was helpful. Um, but it, it has really it capitulated in a couple of points, emphasizing roles over nature right? Yeah. Roles flow from nature. Nature is either male or female. There's a shared human nature, but there's a particularity to each sex. And they, 
some of them did a good job. Sometimes Piper sounds very patriarchal. And there's guys like uh, Owen and Gavin uh, Peacock. Those guys are uh, solid out there that are doing some good things that would maybe use the word complementarian. But we saw it, I saw it as kind of weak and disconnected. So I started, it's good to be a man. And then just uh, like a month into the project, I, I'm kind of a collaborator is how I work. Uh, okay. I like to put together teams to get things done. Um, and then non-tenant, and I had had conversations that he posted. I posted this long breakdown on hypergamy works in relationships, which is women wanting to marry up um, and non-commented on something. And I started watching him write on similar topics. And so I, I invited him to be part of like, come on, partner with me on this, you know? <clears throat> and he did. And uh, our relationship was founded through Facebook Messenger voice messages back and forth, back and forth. <clears throat> and then we started doing all sorts of calls. We cough here. <clears throat> uh, then we started doing calls and we still, we call each other a couple times a week via signal. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, the Facebook page turned into a podcast. And then we started writing articles and started a website and then started a newsletter. And, and then out of that, we we're like, I think we have a book. So we, we, we aim to write a book. And so we did. And the book kind of, it, we had a broad vision and it went through, we had two different outlines that we wrote. It changed. Then we wrote the book. It changed. We sent away the manuscript to Canon and they sent it back to us with some critiques and we were mad. So we we're like, ah. <laughs> so we waited like a week and they came back to the, some of their critiques. We're like, okay, that was right. And then this past summer. Um, so the, I'd say the first manuscript was more me than none. Um, and uh, really him coming over top and correcting my many typos and, and uh, smoothing out the pros and adding a few thoughts here and there. Um, but then I got, I got quite sick uh, this past summer and I was, I had to take, start taking a, a, a medical protocol just to stay operational. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty scary, but, scary. um, yeah. So it was like, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't operate. So I would call up Don and we would talk over the different edits we need to make. And he would go and, and, and do the writing uh, on that version of the book. So he begins, I don't even know. Right. It's weird to read a book full of stories from my life and examples I use all the time, but it's not quite me anymore. So what I love about our book is our book really is the product of two men working together to make something That's a shared awesome. mission. And uh, so I think it'll help guys. It, it, we only talk about women in the very last chapter. Okay. It's not, it's not about getting a wife. It's about being a man and what that looks like. We talk about how manhood was lost about the satanic strategy behind it um, about how there's guys out there that claim to be guides to help you. And even if they are sincere in their desire to help, if they don't know the Lord, it will never get you to where you really need you know, yeah. like having God as father is key to being a man. And so we end the book with what manhood regain looks like and with some really practical stuff to get guys moving in the right direction. So our hope awesome. is that it'll be cool for pastors and men to, to open up the conversation. We said that we didn't in our uh, opening of the book, we said our goal wasn't to write a timeless book, but to write a timely book mm. and something that'll, if we do a good job, this book will be, uh, 
passe in a couple of years, Lord willing. Well, we're excited about it. We've got some guys at our church that are looking forward to it. I've got a young guy that I'm going to be going through the book with. And what I love about the work that you guys are doing, and this is how I've explained it to other pastors and for all the guys listening in, if you don't know about it, it's good to be a man. What you guys do such a good job of is building, you, you set trajectory and you don't just deconstruct. And there's so much deconstruct. There's so much outrage that is easy to come by. You can find it anywhere where you kind of pull, pull back the curtain of what's on front and the veneer of everything in our world. And then you look behind it and you see how ugly it is, but that only gets you so far. And then you guys do a good job of saying, all right, let's go this way. Let's build. Here's how you build a household. This is how you be a man. And you guys are doing a great job. I'm look, really looking forward to the book. So I appreciate the work you guys are, are doing, man. And uh, keep telling people about you. Um, you know, these okay. guys that are, yeah, these, these guys that are listening in, I mean, this is my audience is largely pastors. And we have certainly some other folks that tune in as well. But I have you here. What do pastors need to hear? It is fall. It's almost fall. It's kind of in the fall right now, nearing wintertime. And in our state, even in our community, and we live in Illinois, uh, there's going to be two churches that don't mask up. There's only going to be two churches that don't uh, do social distancing. There's going to be two churches that do communion. There's going to be two churches that are going to be singing. And most likely that's going to be it in our community. And there are guys that are going to do the exact same thing as they did last year. There's already churches in our area. The biggest churches are already masking up. They're already doing the thing they did last year. What do pastors need to hear right now in this moment going into this fall and winter, according to Mike Foster? Well, I mean, they need to hear a lot of things they always need to hear. I mean, put, put God first, put your family first, put your local church first. You know, don't get caught up with what's happening everywhere else. Work with what is in your closest responsibility. You know, underneath your authority, the, the flock uh, gives your, to your charge. That's what you need to do. Um, it's not this illness is like a flu, a bad flu. Don't overreact. Treat it like a bad flu. Right. We did. That's what we we had to run through our church. And we had a woman in the hospital a long time. It was really? kind of scary. Mm-hmm. She was young, too. She just had she had some other health issues that um, made it bad. But so I just told the church, look, um, if you have a cold, you, you, you don't shake hands. You keep your distance. If you're leaking things out of your body like a flu. <laughs> right. Or have a fever. You stay home. Yeah. Right. It's sensible. It's easy. Um, you can't live in fear. So. I would, I would exhort all pastors to not get suckered into taking really hard stands one way or another. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so we're, we're not anti-vax, we're anti-mandatory vax. We're not anti-mask even or social distance if, but we leave that to the individual. Yeah. Right. So if you want to do social distance, stand in the back, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Right. But we're not in forcing that mm-hmm. um we're not going to do that that's not our job and we, we're not convinced that that's needed but if you want to do it that that falls to you don't let these people make you overreact and and look foolish just be sensible and it, it it's not none of this is as bad as people think it is yeah and just write it out the tyranny of the state's bad but getting them allowing them to get you to be a hothead is is bad too. Hmm. Stay calm. Pastors should be friendly, calm, decisive, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maintain your joyful swagger, right? Be happy. 
um, be confident. Uh, God has enabled us to do the work of the ministry. It's not our strategies and genius. It's uh, the, the grace of God working through us. Preach mm. the word, you know, basics, foundational. Yeah. Nothing, nothing that, that special, really. Yeah, that's good, man. You said pastors be friendly, calm, decisive. And I see everywhere pastoral, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, pastoral martyr complexes where pastoral life is, is lonely. It's miserable. It's, it's, it's uh, basically the expectation. Even when I've been to pastor conferences, usually the first word out is I know you're dragging yourself here. You're exhausted. You're tired. We hope this weekend is a glass of water for you or something like that. Yeah. And uh, how are you doing personally? Are you enjoying life? How's your family? Are you enjoying pastoral ministry? Is, is it, or is it dreary, miserable, and you feel like Eeyore all the time? No, I'm happy, man. God, God's good. Amen. Yeah, life's hard. Like, if, if you're whining about it, you're just a big baby. I mean, the reality is, every, like, every, everywhere is hard. Everywhere has ups and downs. Sometimes you're underneath a bad manager. Sometimes you have bad employees. Or sometimes you lose your job. Uh, things are difficult. And, and the ministry can be difficult, too. And I want to downplay that. Uh, but Paul is full of joy from the prisons and uh, prison, you know, when he writes to the Philippians and, and those pastors have preached on that. You can't be happy outside of prison, uh, serving the Lord. I mean, come on, I grow mm -hmm. up. That's what I'd say it, is that God's good. I mean, I have a wife that loves me. I have children. I get to raise up to fear God. I have friends in, in my church. I get to stand up most Sundays and preach God's word. Um, what's, what's not to like. I mean, yeah, yeah it's different right. times, but yeah, we're all going to die and to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm -hmm. And, and that's it. And I just say, th th cut those people off uh, that are like, oh, ministry is suffering. Well, <laughs> the fallen wor world is suffering. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, your car gets suffer too. And you know, I was hearing about a, a family that had a terrible motor or a terrible lawnmower accident with one of their kids and, and child protective services got involved and whatever. We all bad things happen, mm. but if ministry is always bad, if people tell me, Hey, ministry is great, except for the people I had to say, just get out, just get yeah, out. Seriously. Just quit. You're not, you're not made for this. Uh, if ministry is, I love to read. And I love to talk and I want to stand in front of people and talk but I don't love people, then you're not called to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. You can be a teacher, go, go be a professor somewhere, but we're, we're lovers of people. We care for the flock, just like Jesus cares for us. We're under shepherds of the chief shepherd. And I would just say, repent and ask God to give you joy and, uh, and ask God to send you brothers in arms that will help carry the weight. I think a lot of pastors try to do too much. I preach the word and minister the sacraments. Those are my main goals. And you can't drop balls. You don't pick up, hmm. you know? So yeah, if someone's like that ball is being dropped, no, that ball has always been down there. And so <laughs> you noticed it. Do you want to do it? Right? <laughs> well, no, I was hoping you do it. I'm like, <laughs> no. And learning to know your boundaries, right? What your responsibilities are or not. And I've, I've gotten a lot better just saying no. And no, I can't do that. Well, can you, if I do this and that, Nope, still can't. So, and, but you have, that's why you have to build priorities, mm -hmm. you, your family, your church first, you know, um, it's, it's been kind of, uh, I, I've been away a lot and with a lot of people 
that I don't normally minister to. It's, it's a great privilege. You know, I, I'm thankful for the platform the Lord has blessed me with right now. But I want all my broader stuff to flow out of devotions with my family, mm. preaching with my church, right? Conversations with friends. Yeah. I want to prioritize local. And when you start to take joy in your wife, start to take joy in your kids and love the people that God's given you um, and not envy and covet what God is doing elsewhere, I think you'll find that life is good. God mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, tell us where we can find more information about you, get the book and all of that. And we'll, we'll let you off here and get you home to your family, man. Sure. It's good to be man.com. It's got a bunch of stuff on it. Probably the newest thing we put up there is uh, we, we load up our weekly uh, newsletters, uh, which are called notes on manhood. That's on the little, on the left side. I'm on Twitter at this is foster. That's probably where I'm most active. And uh, I'm in Batavia, Ohio. <laughs> find me there at eastriverchurch.org. And we put our sermons up on, on YouTube, on Spotify, and all sorts, all those places. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for coming on again, guys. We've been talking to Michael Foster. And, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, likewise.